Hello, what's up? Lorraine here and... Louie! Been an awesome first week for us, dropping the Two Sharp Chefs podcast. We are, of course, live on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. We also have our WordPress blog at Two Sharp Chefs and a microphone. Louie, we definitely want to say thanks to some people. Absolutely. Well... It's been overwhelming, all of your support. Thank you for all the subscribers who have subscribed to us. And um, we want to thank our photographers who are, you know, assisted us when we were in North Hollywood doing our photo shoot. Those came out great. Lisa and Seeds from 3 Inspired Eyes Media, thanks so much. And thanks for the social media love on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, it's been a busy week for me, trying to get my ducks in a row, and also, of course, healing from some... Ugh, shoulder surgery pain. Uh, Louie, you've been busy with Eater this week. Correct. I'd like to say congratulations to two restaurants that I've shot this week. Um, Locali, that's open now in Mountain's Edge, as well as Flights. Our media night is tonight. I'm looking forward to it. How's your naked kitty? He's doing great. <laughs> just, just so all of you know, I do have a naked kitty. His name's Dobby. He's a sphinx. So, you know, this is, a, this is not a joke. It's, I mean, it's kind of a joke because every single podcast we talk about, uh, we have a, a quick segment on the fly where we do 60 seconds with each guest and we always ask people on the fly, cat or dog person. And every single time, but one, but one. I have won my Dexter and Mickey dog mom that I am yeah. and you I'm a solid lose. cat person. Love, love, love my kitty. Well, anyway, my naked kitty. We're going to roll into our episode that wraps up pride month and we are gonna go ahead and introduce someone that is not only very important in the lgbt community for pride month but someone who's important to me personally and you'll also kind of hear louis going a little uh i don't know well you know i watched them getting a little excited up. yeah <laughs> i watched two hot tamales when i was growing up and they were my childhood idols. They were the people that I looked up to when I decided to finally say I wanted to be a chef. All right. So we give you Susan Feniger coming up right now, talking LGBTQ on the line and the professional kitchen. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss. Our topic for this podcast is Pride on the Line, in honor, of course, of Pride Month. June! Yay! Yay! Um, although we've made some great strides toward equality for the LGBTQ community, there's still a lot of room for improvement. I'm just going to share some statistics that I found in the most recent study by Harvard Public Health and NPR. So one in five LGBTQ Americans reported discrimination based on sexual orientation when applying for jobs. 62% polled said they heard unwanted lesbian and gay jokes at work, and 80% in the transgender community say they experienced harassment on the job. 
Now, what I'd like to start out with you, Louis, mm-hmm. is are these stats surprising to you as a member of the LGBTQ community? Well, you know, I, I'm just fortunate to belong in a kitchen that was very accepting of my, uh, my views. So, but this is not surprising to me at all because I see my fellow LGBTQ people, they struggle a lot with their, you know, with their work. Uh, so we thought the best person that we could possibly go to oh. for this topic. It's Hands just down. like Louis' dream come true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, She's been fangirling forever about this. Uh, we have Susan Fenniger with us today. Yay. Thank you so much, Susan. For sure. Happy to be here. She's co-chef owner, of course, of Border Grill Downtown LA, Las Vegas, Barbecue Mexicana, soon to be Socolo in Santa Monica, which is pretty awesome. Can't wait to see them back in Santa Monica. Of course, James Beard Award winner, Julia Child Award winner. As Louie remembers it, one of the two hot tamales. Yep. Grew up. I grew up watching your show. Oh, my God. You (laughs) must have been about two. I was like, oh, my God. They're so cool. I want to be a chef. (laughs) (laughs) And my special relationship with Susan Feniger is that she was one of my mentors through the James Beard Woman in Culinary Leadership Program. So she means a lot to me that way as well now the reason why we've especially picked you for this topic is because we know that you're a board member of the la lgbt center and it's something that's close to your heart uh it's something that you spend a lot of time working on working with why is it important to you to have an la lgbt center and spend so much time when I know you're busy like all the time (laughs) you're everywhere all the time but this is something that you're putting your energy into more so maybe than other things yeah for sure I think um I've been on the board of the Los Angeles LGBT Center for about 14 years now and I have to say it's probably the most amazing board I've ever been on and you know I mean I think you know Lorraine that I was on that I am on the Scleroderma Research Foundation board where Mm -hmm. we do tons of fundraising for that and I'm on the board of LA Convention and Tourism, which is exciting to learn what's happening in LA and be a part of that. But the the center, the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center, the LGBT Center, is the largest LGBT center in the world, over 700 employees. We have, I think, 10 campuses now around LA. Wow. And um, it's just the work that gets done is so powerful and so inspirational that this work has just become more and more important to me. And certainly right now with this administration and what I think this country has gone through in the last couple of years, and particularly the LGBTQ community is, um, obviously I have an opinion about that. And I Mm -hmm. certainly think that um, what's happening is outrageous and and so for me, the work that we're doing through the LGBT Center is so, so important. So I'm, even before this, I was passionate. Now I'm even more passionate about it. And for, um, I think for me, it's just part of what I do. I figure out how to fit into my, my life, which is very busy. You know, giving back is a huge part of it, which brings me tons of joy and fulfillment. And it's as important to me as my for-profit work. Or more important. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I know I've known you for a few years now, and I've followed your career for many years, just like Louie has. Yeah. 
And I mean, you've never shied away from being political because some people think, well, that's not a place for your business. Keep mm-hmm. it away. Um, and you've also never shied away, as far as I know, as standing up and being out in the culinary industry. Like, at least in the time that I've known you, like over the years that I've been alive, uh, was that ever an issue for you in the beginning maybe or were you always just like whatevs <laughs> you know I think I, I have always been very open and out mm-hmm. there might have been one time back early on when Mary Sue and I started with two hot tamales when we got approached by TV guide we were we had just gone on the air we got approached by TV guide to do a big feature and I remember being very hesitant to have there be in that feature that I was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the only time at that time way long ago that I was worried about it might affect Food Network's decision. Even though I was out and open there, I think it caused some hesitation. I, you know, I think that article never ended up getting published, maybe because I was out. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but, other than that, I think, you know, there might have been in the beginning of my career where, you know, we'd be being interviewed and I wouldn't be as vocal about my partner or who I was living with. Or, you know, often they would probably ask Mary Sue, was she married? And she'd say yes. And then they'd ask me if I was married and I'd say no, but I live with someone. But it would be someone yeah, instead yeah. of being completely open. Like a but, pronoun game. Yeah. But, I, you know, in the last, oh, my God, I can't even think, in the last probably 33, four years, I've been completely out and open and proud and excited and, you know, and now I think people are like, I want to be LGBT. (laughs) It's cool. But but it's it's certainly, I think there's much need for more awareness, more understanding. We're spoiled by living in LA, for sure. Mm -hmm. Right, or in any big city. That's 10 LGBT uh, centers. I Las Vegas has one. And I never hear about it. One, yeah. Well, it's just a much smaller... I mean, the Los Angeles Center is way bigger. It's just way bigger in general than any, even New York or San Francisco. That's surprising, because I came from San Francisco, and I thought that San Francisco would be, like, the mecca for... It really... I mean, certainly... Big or small, doesn't matter. It's important. It's important for the work that's being done. Right. Um, but when, you know, we just recently, which is very exciting, um, launched our new campus here in L.A. Um, it's right across from the village, which is where, which houses AIDS Life Cycle. It houses our theaters, our two theaters. It's been a focus point for seniors and and. and activities that seniors do there but we've just launched beginning of may the new anita may rosenstein campus which is right across the street from the village so now there's this very interesting community um on mccadden and santa monica and this campus is 150 million dollar campus it will have a hundred it has 135 beds for homeless youth and a hundred apartments for low-income seniors and our new culinary kitchen and culinary program where youth and or seniors that enter into the program will go through a 12-week training program and then externship 
out into restaurants and learn culinary skills. That's, That's amazing. super exciting. Very excited about that. How's that going to work? Like, how can you apply for it? Or yes. So what happens is, yeah, we we take at not myself, the center, the people who are working there. We have an executive. We have. You know, program manager, the executive chef that's there, and then a couple sous chefs or three sous chefs. And then what it is is, at least it, literally, we're in program two. So the first program was four, four youth and two seniors. And they apply through, and they go through the whole interview process to see how serious they are and how much they are interested in food or the condom. But basically, it's in order to give these youth or seniors an opportunity to learn a skill, to go out there in the community and in the restaurant business and have some skill to get an entry-level job. It also, as you know, in the restaurant business, creates a family for those who don't have family. A in particular, system. it's yeah. amazing support system. So from, I'm so excited about it because it's I'm excited just, about it, Yeah, too. Louis, I can see Louis' face. Louis' like, like, I want to be a sous wow. chef there. It's so amazing. <laughs> right? It's so amazing. And even now, we're a month and a half into the program. Already, we're serving 600 meals a day. That's crazy. So That's great. this is, you know, and this is what will happen is the first eight weeks are teaching. You move the last four weeks into production for breakfast, lunch, dinner for seniors and youth that are in the transitional living program as well as on any given day, you have youth who are homeless on the street who can come, take showers, meet a social worker, work on their high school degree, work on getting into college, resume building, computer classes. And um, so we're feeding those groups that are day program kids breakfast and lunch so they have a good healthy meal even if they have to be back out on the street at night and a place to sleep or learn or study or get psychiatric help so it's amazing yeah. that's wow. such a great model for other communities yeah right. and it's for intergenerational it's so fabulous yeah i would you, so love to visit one time and just you know watch it's like amazing how, how this all plays yeah it's great that's a future podcast. I know. Right? The intergenerational awesome. program is so important. You've got seniors who may not have children or who aren't accepted by their family, or maybe they are, but many who aren't. And you've got youth, same thing. Now, imagine that collaboration now. You've got kids who now have potential parents or grandparents on some level. That's awesome. And advice. And you've got these older seniors who now have kids young kids to be excited and passionate about and teach and mentor it's just amazing wow and we see it in the culinary program we That's see it already we're seeing it awesome you talked a little bit about how there was a tiny bit of hesitation in the beginning you know maybe for tv or for certain outlets we're how talking many 30 many years five ago. years ago yeah okay but still. But still, there are many people that are still grappling with that, either young, many times because, because they're younger, yeah. but other times as adults. Mm-hmm. How did you then, even though it was a little bit of it, and not as much maybe as some people, that hesitation, how do you get through that? How do you push through that, you know, that little bit of hesitation and just be like, you know what, this is me, accept it, you know, accept yourself. How do you push through that? Or is you it know, just maturity? I, I don't know. You know, I was, I was, um, I was very fortunate. I think I had no idea I was a lesbian. When I, I have no idea. So when I suddenly had an, ex- I became curious. 
had my first experience, I literally, like, I was living with, at that point, my husband. <laughs> and we had been high school sweethearts. And right. we had gotten married as a Father's Day gift to my dad because we couldn't Whoa. think of what else to do. Oh, my. As a gift. Okay. So it was no, I mean, we went to Justice of the Peace. So it wasn't yeah. like a wedding wedding, big wedding. But I literally had no hesitation to move out and be completely open with my parents. And they were not very accepting. Mm -hmm. But I was like, well, this is who I am. And so I, I think from the very beginning, I wasn't guilty or worried or I didn't have any of, of what I think often many people struggle with about who I was. I think I was always fairly confident in who I was. So it was never about this is who I am. I, mean, I think at some point I felt some responsibility to my partnership with Mary Sue. Like, would this do something to hurt our future? Because we were just starting out in our own business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was not a huge acceptance at that point. This is way before Ellen came out. Yeah, <laughs> right. And even Ellen got, you know, yeah. Yeah. like so, crucified when she came out. So Exactly. So I think there was some hesitancy there about my responsibility to Mary Sue, to our business. But I, I think, you know, Mary Sue was, uh, of course, like, no, you need to, you know, be who you yeah. are. And I was like, yeah, like, I mean, really, it was pretty quick that I was just, I felt like this is who I am. And um, this, is, this is who my partner is. And um, this is what we do. And this is our life. And you know, I never struggled with it with my family, which I think for most people often is challenging and mm -hmm. the most challenging because they're the ones you're looking for acceptance from. Um, and within our community in the restaurant business, there's tons of people from the LGBT community. That's what you always say to me. Yeah. Do you feel like that's been your experience that you haven't had a hard time coming out in the kitchen is it just organic or yeah because like all my life you know my mom even told me like when you were three you were like shouting out of the world i'm a boy i'm a boy didn't know any better you know didn't know the word lesbian but yeah um my family was actually relieved that i came out because they already knew and mm -hmm. it was up to me to come to terms with it so interesting interestingly enough professionally you know i just i just walked into kitchens that were really accepting of it you know, I didn't try to hide. There were just some people that were curious, like, would ask the question. Mm -hmm. Like, are you or are you not? But I'm like, look at me. <laughs> right? Is it not obvious? <laughs> yeah. Right. So. But I think in the, in the restaurant world, you have tons of people front and back of the house that are in theater, in the arts, that, you know, not, not that that's the LGBT community, but, yeah. you know, right. many people in the theater and the arts are from the LGBT community. It's creative passion, a uh, creative um, uh, profession, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think in the restaurant business, there's huge acceptance of, of everybody, of who they are. There's an equalizer that happens, particularly in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. There's an equalizer that happens, you know, among, it doesn't really matter what your, you know, what your race is, you know, what your religious beliefs are, whether you're straight or LGBT, you know, whether you're trans or not. If you're a good, hard worker yeah, and you're good, you move up. You yeah. succeed. That's the I most totally of Not all the that. time. Not all the time, yeah. but a lot. I totally agree with the fact that the kitchen t tends to be like an equalizer, that cooking. Right. You know, if you're an awesome cook, you're just, they'll call you chingon. 
for being yeah. an awesome cook, whether you're straight or gay or mm-hmm. whatever race you are. But at the same time, there is like a culture of harassment in the kitchen in general. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like for everything. And they tend to sometimes pick on like whatever your personal issues are. Like they know what it is and they find it and yeah. they just like. You know, it's so, kind of like a shark smelling blood in the water. Right, right. So if it's something that you're uncomfortable with, like if you're uncomfortable about coming out, because some people are, it can sometimes be a little bit scary yeah. because you're in that as we talked about with Mary Sue, like the male dominated culture where there's more men than women a lot of the time in the kitchen and you just kind of feel like, Ooh, I'm not gonna, you know, like it's scary. Like how do you, yeah. how do you stand up to the, the bullying? Like how do, how do you, sometimes is it, does it ever go too far? You know, Boy, where you, you know, feel, yeah, I mean, like it's too much or do you just kind of like let it roll off your back and let your work, you know, speak for itself? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was a tomboy growing up. And when I got in kitchens, you know, I think um, I just felt like I had to be, you know, I was small, so I felt like I had to be as strong as the guys and work as hard as the guys, you know, and maybe because I, you know, once I got really into professionally working in restaurants, I was out. And it's very possible that 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 gave me a, a you know security around um, being harassed. I have to say, I think maybe you know I wasn't, you know, at that point being LGBT, being a lesbian in the kitchen. You know, I don't know. There weren't the they. I didn't really deal with the sexual, you know, yeah. innuendos. I mean, well, really back then we all would be like, okay, you know, we yeah. all would have those kinds of. We've been talking about that. Right. You know, it's like where's the line crossed? Because like in kitchens, there's mm-hmm. no filter. Yeah, and we certainly, (laughs) 40 years ago, we weren't weren't filters. We were as bad as the guys in terms of that, you know, in terms of being playful and jokes and, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at, you know, a piece of ginger and and if it was sexual looking, making jokes about it, you know, we, we would for sure do that. So back then there was not, there was no filter. Now, I think, you know, there probably was in many kitchens, particularly the very sort of strict French kitchens where they were very male-dominated, where, you know, if you were at all timid, you know, or, n- or not, and it's a boys, a boys club, no question, you know, less so now, but still, you know, you see it, you still see it. There's a boys club mentality where, you know, you feel sort of left out, and then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes this little bit of a weird thing. And then that can move into, you know, into the harassment that, of course, we all have been reading about and hear about and have personal stories about, which are shifting, but certainly not quick enough. And hopefully this whole Me Too movement will move things to the next level and not fall back into old habits. Yeah, we certainly hope it will. Yeah, we do. So... You're definitely a role model in many ways. I mean, as a chef, as a woman chef, as a woman business owner, as an LGBT leader in the community. Um, It's always said, or it's said often that, you know, to see yourself in a position of power, you need to sometimes see someone like you, um, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So for like many people, President Obama was someone that looked like them, like a minority or a black person someone that was not a old white male and they needed to see that and then they started you know the kids in school were like wow I could be president when I grow up like they needed to see it in order to feel like there was a possibility of it so 
how important is it for you? Like, as you say, there are certain things that are near and dear to your heart. How important is it to you to be like a role model in the LGBTQ community? Because there are people like Louie from childhood looking up to you as somebody that they see themselves hopefully being. Well, I mean, that's a um, big... I know it's a big lofty question, but yeah. It's, it's a big role. I think, you know, I feel like if I can affect a tiny bit of change in our world on whatever level, I think that that's, for me, something that's very important. So, you know, I think, I mean, even the culinary program at the Gay and Lesbian Center here in L.A., even that was something that when we as a board committed to this new campus and raising the money for this campus, this is 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And just about four or five years ago, four years ago probably, I was, I had said, you know, I think we should do this. And it just had been something that I was like, you know, Look at the look at you know LA Kitchen. Look at you know just look at what we could do, mm-hmm. and so it became something. I would send emails to Lori Jean, our executive director, and to Daryl Cummings, the chief of staff. I'm like, we should make this part of the new, of the new campus. This look at this is what I think would bring, and I just was like you know I mean if you ask Mary Sue, I just I'm persistent when I get an idea. I just like keep. On yeah, it, I remember right. the text messages <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I used to work I for just you. Stay on what about this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you know. So now, when I go in that in there, and I see the kitchen in working, and I think you know some of those the clients that are in there in the program, and the executive chef, whoever it is at that moment, introduces me. I feel it just it's an amazing feeling to feel like you've helped. A little bit to make this thing come real and true so you know I I don't I mean I think there's many more people in the LGBT community that people look up to and sort of you know see as their you know mentors you know if if I fill that role I think it's you know I I love that because I feel like it's an important people need people to look up to I mean I felt that way when Obama, I felt that way when Clinton was, you know, being elected. I mm-hmm. felt, you know, when Obama was being elected, it was like, oh my God, uh, you know, Nelson Mandela went, I mean, I've always been someone who has been drawn to the underdog and really someone who finds that person powerful and someone who I find as being my mentor. So if I feel that at all, I think I'm lucky as can be. I feel like you're being very humble because I'm looking right across at somebody who told me many times that she was waiting for the day because I knew Susan Fenegar. (laughs) When am I going to meet Susan Fenegar? Like from the moment that you guys asked me to be your mentee, she was like, uh, hey, hey, (laughs) can I I visit you? Like, (laughs) can I just like, what did did it mean to you to be able to see these two ladies on TV? So she was watching from the Philippines. Yeah, I was watching from the Philippines. (laughs) From like one foreign channel, like mm-hmm. yeah, it was Ming Tsai, Walk with the Anne, and you guys, and just to be able to see two women in the, in the kitchen and just cooking all this wonderful food, I'm like, what's a taco? I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. like 
they're they're doing Mexican food. What is that? You know, like yeah. it inspired my curiosities, and just like, whoa, they're having so much fun. I want to be a chef. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, and that's then you know, you you guys were wearing the colored colored chef coats, yeah. and yeah. I was like. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> did like, did uh, did Mary Sue talk to you about how we got did our first jackets when we got our first show? No, no, no. Go ahead. Oh well, there were no color jackets then. Yeah. When we first did to optimize them, we were both. You know, we we um, my partner wife, you know, was in entertainment industry, and she was like, "You can't wear white on TV. That just looks terrible." Drab. Yeah. So we just spin into the background. We dyed. I think Josh dyed our first jackets. Like one of. Hers was like a peachy orangey, and mine was a blue. And we dyed them in our, the washing machines at home. Just so like them. red or something. Yeah. yeah. It was like, <laughs> so you got like a little bit of orangey, ready, and blue. Right. And then Chef's Wear, they started up, they got a line going, and it was our jackets, the two hot tamales jackets, and one was called Cayenne and one was Blueberry. Oh, wow. wow. Way bit, back then. A little bit of a chef clothing history for yeah. you there. But yeah, I noticed those like little details. And I, that's how closely I would like watch. And, you know, you file that away in your memory and like deep into your career, far along into your career, and like, having the opportunity to just like meet you right now. I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's she's freaking so out. Very she's sweet. so nervous. Very <laughs> sweet. So super amazing. Yeah. Um, kind of like in that vein. You had a very popular show in Los Angeles, a radio show. And, like, you know, this is our new venture here, this podcast. We're trying to bring awareness and give a voice to people that maybe don't get a voice as often in the culinary industry. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of our goal here. And to also, you know, give a peek behind the line, you know, because these are the people that bring your food and make your food. And, you know, you're expecting a certain thing and we're going through something back there. Right. We want to kind of like, you know, open the door, open the curtain to what's really going on back there and the things that we talk about and think about. That's great. That's so, very exciting. Advice for Louie and me. I mean, uh, we did, we have to admit. Yeah. We were inspired. Two sharp chefs and a microphone. Yeah. By the two hot tamales. Yep. We tried not to get too literal by putting T-O-O. We put the number <laughs> two. But we were inspired by you because we thought, oh, well, we're like that. We're straight and gay and like yeah. two women yeah. and like similar backgrounds, but different, different personalities. So we're very similar. We're like yeah, the new yeah. age two hot tamales. Right. I love that. That's fantastic. <laughs> so we were inspired by you. But do you have like some advice you could lend to us? Because that was a big show. So big that SNL actually... Uh, did a parody on it right I know. that was amazing we thought Shwitty we'd balls. arrived we thought we'd arrived youtube that because it's amazing mm-hmm. but yeah. it's a it's a parody on susan feniger and mary sue milligan's radio show in la which was popular and i guess anna gasteyer had said that she felt like when she was listening to it that it was very sexual because all the food was like "Ooh, that's good yum like what's that and she right. was she was like this is awesome like <laughs> we got a parody of this stuff yeah, yeah. Food's meant to be. She sexy. came on our. She came on the show after for, or before. No, after she came on for <laughs> See, our anniversary this. and was on the show with us and had said because we were like, oh my god, this is just incredible. <laughs> so she came on and we interviewed her on our on uh, Good Food. Did you just? When did you? How did you find out that that was based on um, your show? I think I can't remember if now. You know, when we started uh, Good Food. Jennifer Farrow, who is now the head of KCRW. Okay. So 
Jennifer Farrow was our producer, and it was like her first big job okay. as our producer. And I think Jen must have found out oh, that, makes that, sense. that was, maybe they called the station, I'm not exactly sure. And then, um, so that's how we found out, and then Jennifer must have reached out to her to come on on our anniversary. <laughs> For it and now That's Jennifer awesome. now Jennifer run took Ruth Seymour's place now she runs KCRW. Awesome. So so what are what are some tips that you have for us like how do you do it do you just be yourselves I mean I feel like we're doing that but yeah. what what else can we do here you know I think you know now we're way further along in food shows and and in food TV I think it's about um, well. It's hard to say what food TV is about right now. Yeah. But, but competitions. Yeah. Competition. Yeah, competition. Competition and competition, yes. But I still think people are interested in learning. And I think it being playful and, you know, and it's all about entertainment. There's no question. I think TV, radio is about being entertaining and interesting and not and being accessible but also being smart. So that's a little bit of everything, right, yeah. to be, right. you know. But I, I think, you know, it's – you got to do what you're passionate about. Right. You have to do what you're passionate about. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's specific ideas that reach the right market that are better, you know, that are smarter ways to move forward. But right. I think Mary Sue and I, we've always done what we're passionate about. And sometimes successfully, sometimes not – you know, we haven't grown as big as some people who are very focused on on growth. We've always believed in we want to do the things that we're passionate about. And I think that that for us has been the fulfilling way to live our lives. And I think we've done okay. I mean, we've been around for a long time and well, we do okay. That's what I was going to say is like yeah. what you do have that many people don't have is the staying power. Yeah. So – that staying power is something that's obviously cultivated over time. But, like, are there any secrets? Because Louie and I have already gotten to our little tiffs. And right. <laughs> we're yeah, with each yeah, other you know. so often. And I'm sure that's, like, Mary Sue yeah. as well. It's, like, we're just, like, always, like, discussing things. It's, like, okay. Yeah. At stop some texting point, me. So like, like, <laughs> right. I need a day how off, you, Lorraine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got it. I think as much as we love each other, yeah. we get along. But. Yeah, well, I think it really is about you know. I'm sure you guys, as much as you get along, you have different passions and different things you're interested in, and that you know keeps diversity. I think it's important to bring your beliefs and the things that are important to you to, you know, to the media world, so that those things become a part of your brand and who you are and your differences are as important as what you are together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. That's great advice. Yeah, that is perfect advice, actually. All right, mm. moving on to some fun. Yay! We're going to put Susan Feniger on the fly. All right. 60 seconds. I'm going to set a timer, and we're going to start now. What's always in your fridge? Olive, uh, mayonnaise, artichokes, grapefruit, juice, fresh, please squeeze. <laughs> Specific. Carrots. Favorite hobby, not work-related. Walking the dogs, particularly on the beach. Which probably leads into the next question. Oh, my Cat goodness. or dog person? 
dogs all my life, but I have to say we have had cats. Liz was a cat person when we first met 24 years ago, and I have become one. Okay. But so dogs, kind dogs. Kind of 50-50 here because I usually win this dog Still, one. you know, first. <laughs> we have two dogs now. Favorite taco? Favorite taco? Probably carnitas. Coolest location you've ever traveled to for food? India. Yeah. Thank you so much. Susan Feniger, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You guys, it's a very exciting time for you. I'm sure you're going to be crazy successful. And thank you for being a mentor and a friend. An inspiration to me. (laughs) You don't know. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's important. In these times, nothing more important than, you know, standing up for what we believe in. Beautiful. That was beautifully said. And we're going to end with a beautiful quote from the Dalai Lama. Uh, Our life depends on others so much that at the root of our existence, there is a fundamental need for love. That is why it is good to cultivate an authentic sense of our responsibility and a sincere concern for the welfare of others. For Louie, this is Lorraine Moss. Please tell them how they can reach us, Lou. On Instagram, you can reach us on Two Sharp Chefs on Facebook. We are Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. And at our email address, it's Two Sharp Chefs at gmail.com. Please send your comments, any kind of podcast ideas you have, anything that you're concerned about. And we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. See you soon.